does prayer work? Why does prayer work? Three answers for you. I would say that they're going to be quick, um, but I haven't been quick lately. So we'll just say we've got three answers for you and we'll get through them before you can go eat lunch. Um, three answers uh, about why prayer works. And here's the first. I want you to understand that prayer, prayer works um, because of the finished work of Jesus as our high priest. Okay. First reason why prayer works is because of the finished work of Jesus as our high priest. And I want you to follow me. We're just going to walk through a little basic theology this morning, okay? The Bible says that we're sinful. In fact, it says for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we have a problem. We're sinful. Uh, and then it says that God is, is holy. Not just holy. It actually says God is holy, holy, holy. And, and, and that, what that means is he's perfect. Another way to say that is he is set apart. And so the question we ask ourselves is what is God set apart from? And the answer would be sin. You see the problem, right? So, so, so we're sinful uh, and, and God is holy. He's set apart from sin. And so because of our condition, we actually have no right to enter into the presence of God. Because of our condition, we actually have no access to God. We have no right to pray. So we, we have to start there. If, we, if you want to know why we can pray, you have to start by understanding your condition. And in essence, guys, this is the 24th Psalm. Now, we all know the 23rd Psalm. We remember it. We, we talk about it. We read it every funeral. We need to learn the 24th Psalm. The 24th Psalm, uh, starting verse 3, uh, it, it says, Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Who has clean hands and a pure heart? Who doesn't lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false? You want to know who can pray. You want to know who has access to God. Only he who has clean hands and a pure heart, according to Scripture. Again, we have a great problem. So we can't pray. We don't have an audience because of our sin and because of God's holiness. And, and so we're stuck. And we're, we're stuck because of this thing called sin. And, and we have no right to enter into the presence of God. So, so, so then we have to ask a question. Well, how is that problem fixed? What we're asking when we ask that is, how is sin atoned for? And the writer of Hebrews tells us very plainly how sin is atoned for. Hebrews 9, uh, 22. He says, in fact, the law requires uh, that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. And he says, without the shedding of blood, there, there is no forgiveness. Another way to say that there's no remissions of, of sin. And, and so the answer of, of how is sin atoned for is, is blood. Blood is, is the answer. And I want you to get this. Both covenants, the old covenant and the new covenant, were established by blood. Okay, in the old covenant, when the Israelites came and they entered into that covenant with God, there was a blood sacrifice. And get this, they sprinkled the law with blood. They sprinkled the tabernacle and everything in it with blood. And they sprinkled the people with blood. I was reading somebody this week and I said, oh, what a solemn, awesome occasion that must have been. Can you imagine? And I was kind of like, ew. You know, I, 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 they were thinking about how, how holy and great that was. And I'm thinking, I'm sure it was awesome. And, but I, I, you know, woo, blood, it's blood, right? And, and, uh, but, but that's, that's how it was established. And then we, we look at the new covenant. Well, how was the new covenant established? We think about the Lord's supper. Jesus said, uh, this is the cup of the new covenant that is in my, in my blood. And, And so here we have both the old covenant and the new covenant are established in blood, but there's one main difference and that's that the old covenant, while it wasn't just established in blood, it was maintained by blood. Uh, it, blood wasn't just used in the beginning, it was necessary all the time. And we think about that temple sacrifice system. They were made regularly. 
Even once a year on the Day of Atonement, they had to go back into the tabernacle and the high priest had to enter into the Holy of Holies and sprinkle it with what? Blood. And so it was it was this never ending system. Now, somebody says, well, pastor, what's a high priest? Well, luckily, Hebrews tells us that too. Hebrews 5, 1, it describes the role of a high priest. OK, it says um, every high priest is selected from among men and is appointed to represent them in matters related to God. Now, if you were underlining things, you might underline that word represent them or that phrase that's that's saying they didn't have standing with God, that this man had to represent them unto God. Okay, that's kind of a big deal. There's a wall of division here currently. And and, and, and so um, represent them in matters related to God and to offer gifts and sacrifices for their sins. And so that's, that, that's what the high priest or who the high priest was, and that's what they did. They, they were the representative to the people that the people literally had to go through them. And this process was, according to the Bible, was unending. The priests were constantly offering sacrifices and gifts unto the Lord. Their blood was constantly being shed uh, day after day and, and day, the day of atonement year after year. And so it was an unending process and, and it never stopped. And, and it, the people constantly needed a, a priest. The priests were necessary. In fact, Warren Wearsby uh, is talking about how, how busy the priests were in the Old Testament in the tabernacle. And he notes, you know what? In the tabernacle in the Old Testament, there were no chairs. There was so much work for them to do. Sacrifices and, and offerings and gifts were, were so constant. There were no chairs in the tabernacle. There was never a time to sit down. But I want you to see something because this is good. Because you're going to see Jesus in a second. And man, Jesus is better. And, and, and not only is, is Jesus better, but his ministry is more effective. And, and I just want you to see this because we don't need priests anymore because Jesus became our high priest unto us. That's what we're talking about. And, and I just want you to see this. So Hebrews 8.1, talking about Jesus as our high priest. Look at what it says. It says, the point of what we're saying is this. We do have such a high priest, get this, who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. That, 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 I want you to see that Jesus sat down. They never could. There were Work was never done. Blood had to constantly be shed. But Christ's sacrifice was once and for all. His blood was shed once and for all. And it was finished. And we were forgiven. And we now have access. And he sat down. That's a big deal. And you want to say, well, how does prayer work? Why does prayer work? Well, prayer works because our high priest has finished his duty as high priest. And he has sat down. And I, I, I tell you, that's a big deal. Prayer works because it's finished. Prayer works because our hearts and our hands have been cleansed. And we now may ascend the hill of the Lord. Because we have clean hands and a pure heart. Thanks to the once and for all sacrifice of Jesus, our high priest. That's why prayer works. Okay. Secondly. Prayer works because of the ongoing work of Jesus as our mediator. Prayer works because of the ongoing work of Jesus as our mediator. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. The man Christ Jesus. Now, let me ask you guys, you guys remember the story of Job? Anybody like the book of Job? Anybody read it quite a bit? We had some in the first service. Does anybody afraid of the book of Job because they think if they read it too much, they're going to become Job? Be honest, right? 
Like you read it, freaked you out. You're like, I'm not ever reading that again. I don't ever want to be that guy, right? And so you remember the book of Job? Like Job, there's nobody on earth like Job. Job, Job is a faithful man. He is blameless in the sight of the Lord. And, and then you remember within just a few hours, Job loses everything. He loses all of his possessions. He loses all of his family. And he is now, he has nothing. And you remember his response, right? He has nothing. And yet he stands before the Lord. And what does he say? Does he curse the name of the Lord? No. He says, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord, right? And, and you yeah, you just got to, I'm going through this last night. And I just had to stop and go, oh my gosh, could I have said that in that situation, right? It's a good thing it's the book of Job and not the book of Jason, amen? Because it would have been a very tragically different story. And so, so I'm thinking about this and we're, we're talking about Christ as our mediator. Job prays something in the middle of the trial and the suffering. Okay. I don't know. Has anybody ever suffered? Anybody ever been through a trial here? I'm the only person in the room, right? You've been in it. And when you're in it, you're in the ditch, man. And you know, when you're in the ditch and you can't get out of it. And I, I don't know if you ever watch any shows, but that whole, the whole crabbing show, what was a uh, deadliest catch. I used to watch it when it first came out. I haven't seen it in years, but I used to watch it. And they had a term for when they set all the cages and then the waves came in one way and they had to go pick them up. And, and, and if you're going this way and the waves are all coming this way, you're in the ditch. And, and it's just unending. You're just getting bashed and bashed and bashed. And every wave is, is, is sweeping across the deck and it feels like it's knocking your feet. And if you've ever been in life going through a struggle or a trial and you've been in the ditch. And anytime you've been in that ditch and you're just like, oh my gosh. Well, Job is in the ditch. And I want you to see what he prays for while he's in the ditch. Because you've probably read the book of Job and you've missed it. So let's turn there. Job chapter 9. And I want you to see the pray he prayer, the, the, what he prays for in the ditch. And I want you to see how God answers it. It is huge and cool and amazing. And we talk about God saying no, yes, or later. Uh, check out the later to the, the, the answer to Job's prayer. Uh, Job chapter 9, starting in verse 32. Job chapter 9, starting in verse 32. Job's talking to his, his friend. He's replying to his friend, uh, Bildad, and, and, and he's talking about God. He says this in verse 32. He says, he's not a man like me that I might answer him, that we might confront each other in court. Verse 33, this is huge. He says, if only there were someone to arbitrate between us, to lay his hand upon us both, someone to remove God's rod from me so that his terror would frighten me no more. Get this, then I would speak up without fear of him. But as it now stands with me, I cannot. See, Job's asking for an arbitrator. Job is praying and he's saying, listen, I wish that there was somebody that was both God and man. I wish there was somebody that could lay his hands upon both God and upon uh, upon me. He says, I want somebody that can lay their hands upon us both. And friends, I'm here to tell you that that prayer request by Job has been answered and his name is Jesus. And, and he is our mediator. He is both God and man. He's fully God and fully man. And because of that, he can lay his hands upon us both. And, and because of that, we can speak like Job prayed. Then I can speak without fear. Then I could speak up without fear because I'd have an arbitrator. I'd have a, a mediator. And guys, according to Scripture, this is what Jesus is doing right now in heaven on our behalf. He's putting His hand on you. And he's putting His hand on His Father. And He is the mediator so that we can speak without fear.
golly, I tell you, that's a big deal. I'm going to share a word with you made me uncomfortable this week. Ready? Uh, Unfinished. I, I, I said this is the ongoing work of Jesus. Warren Wiersbe says this is the unfinished work of Jesus. It made me uncomfortable to think that Jesus had unfinished work, but I started digging. I was like, oh, I guess he's right. Listen to what he says. He says, listen, he finished the work of our salvation when he died and rose again on earth. But he now carries on the unfinished work of our sanctification as he intercedes for us in heaven. Just blew me away. Because if there's anybody deserving of rest and being finished, it's Jesus. And yet here I find that Jesus is still working. And what is he working on? And who is he working for? The Bible says that he is working on my behalf. That he is working on my behalf in the process of my sanctification. That he is working to bring about complete to completion the work that he began in me. That's what my Jesus is doing right now. Is he's making me more and more like him one day at a time. And I say thank you Lord. That thought of a mediator. That role it it, uh, made me think about the story of Esther. You guys remember that one? You remember the story of Esther? How many of you have kids and you've watched the story of Esther on Veggie Tales or grandkids, right? Ruins it for life, right? Now Mordecai is always paw grape to me. I, I can't Esther, Esther. It's just paw grape. I mean, that's who it is, and you can't ever move on beyond that. And um, but the, the, if you've never read the book of Esther, you really should. It's not that long. Uh, and, and and basically, I mean, if we're going to summarize it, so the king has a wife, and, and the queen won't show up when the king tells her to, and so he gets rid of his wife. And there's a beauty contest, which Esther wins and becomes the new queen. I'm summarizing very quickly here, right? And uh, and then there's there's a really bad dude named Haman, and so Haman wants glory and honor and law, and he wants it from um, Esther's uncle Mordecai, who will not bow to him because he's Jewish and he only bows to God. And so when Haman learns that, that, that he won't bow because he only bows to the one true God, he figures out, listen, I'm not just mad at this dude. I want to get rid of all the people like him. And he issues basically like a secret law that, that's going to be genocide for, I mean, I mean, all the Jews are going to be wiped out. That's what's going to happen. And there's only one person that has the ear of the king. There's only one person. And the only person that has an audience with the king is Queen Esther. And here's the deal. There's about 15 million people who a death sentence has been issued for. And there's one queen and there's one king. And, and, and the only person bridging the gap is a mediator. And her name is Esther. And she's uniquely fit for that role because she is Persian royalty and she is Jewish. Guys, the Bible says that there's another death sentence that's much greater, much far reaching than just 15 million folks. And it's the death sentence that we deserve because we've all rebelled against God. Okay? But I want to tell you what God does. He does something far greater than Xerxes in the story of Esther. Xerxes doesn't get down off his throne. But our God gets off his throne and becomes man in the person of Jesus Christ. He lives a perfect life and he dies on the cross to pay the penalty of our sin. He conquers death. He rises again, ascends into heaven where he now sits working as our mediator, as the God-man, uniquely, uniquely gifted for that spot in life. And friends, the Bible says that's why prayer works. 
Because Jesus, even now, is working as our mediator on our behalf. It's a big deal. That's why we can boldly approach, as Job would say, and we can speak without fear unto God. That's why prayer works. Because Jesus is our mediator. That's what he's doing right now. Okay? One last thing I'll share with you, and we'll be done. I want you to understand that prayer uh, works because Jesus has provided us direct access to God. We start hearing the term mediator and Jesus, and we kind of start thinking that somehow he's a buffer between us and the Father. And Jesus wants to clear up that thought for us in, in John chapter 17. And so, uh, or 16, look at this with me. In John 16, 26 through 27, uh, he has just said, listen, um, ask the Father for anything in my name and it will be given to you. And he says, in that day, you will ask in my name. I'm not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you. And so contextually, what Jesus is saying is, listen, a day is coming because he's, he's like, I'm about to go away. And a day is come and you are going to pray to the Father directly in my name. And you say, what does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? Well, good, come back next week because that's the question we're going to answer. What does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? That'll be next week. All right. But what we do know is he said, Jesus, listen, I'm not the buffer. I'm the mediator, but I'm the mediator in as such that I am the God man uniquely able to identify with you. Okay, but check this out. I have provided you with direct access. He's your father now. You are born again. You've been adopted by him. And so when you pray, you're going to pray now to your Abba, your daddy, your father in heaven. And you're going to do it in my name. And he is going to listen to you because you're his child. See, don't think that Jesus came and lived and died as our high priest just so we could have forgiveness and God could hear us. And then he's currently our mediator, but now he's sitting kind of as a buffer. Well, you got to talk to me first. You, you, can't, you can't talk to the big guy. No, Jesus says, no, I came and did all those things for the opposite, so that you have direct access to your Father. So that relationship, the Father God who created you, made you in his image, so that that relationship is restored right here and right now. Right here and right now, okay? That's why prayer works. Because we have access to our dad now, okay? So what does that look like? What do I do because of that? Okay, I'll give you some things. Uh, I warn you right now, they're not necessarily that easy, but let's deal with them together, okay? Number one, ascend the hill, <laughs> Right? Jesus is our high priest. He has come and he has cleansed us. Why? So that we can have clean hands and a pure heart. So ascend the hill. All right. Pray. That's the point. I gave this illustration in the early service. OK, uh, last last Thanksgiving, not the one we just had, the one before that, about a year ago, right before we got faith. Um, we got a second mortgage and decided to go to Disney World because that's what it takes to go to Disney World. Is you have to take out a second mortgage and because it's ridiculous. And, and just, you know, we rented a whole house and then we got the 15 million passes and tried to figure out how to do the parks and what was going to happen. So I just want you to walk this, walk through this with me. The kids are so excited and it took us like 15 days to drive to Florida because we couldn't afford to fly. And um, we really stopped along the way and just enjoyed ourselves. But we finally got, that's a lot of time in the car, by the way, with, with your children. Um, whom you love and God has blessed you with. Uh, but good Lord, uh, he is good Lord. Uh, wow, 
and so we were there and enjoying fellowship and sweetness of the spirit um, and speaking cordially and kindly to one another as God would to, unto us and um, for the whole trip. And, and so we, we're doing it and we get there. Now, I want you to imagine you go through all that. You pull up, you get out to the gate, you get the whole family ready. We're all wearing our matching shirts because you don't want to lose a child because then you'd be on the news and be the worst parent ever. And you're standing there at the gate and you're wearing your matching Mickey Mouse ear shirt and everybody matchy, matchy, goody, goody. And you take the picture outside the gate and everybody smiles and laughs and you say, awesome. Now load up. Let's go home. I've mortgaged the house. I've sold everything I possess so that my children could walk through the gates of Disney. And we took the picture outside the gates and we left. Friends, that's called stupidity. Okay? I would be an idiot. I would be dumb to sell everything that I own so that my kids could experience Disney and to think that the gate was the experience. Yet I tell you, Christians, when we don't go to God in prayer with everything, when we we have the all-access pass, and yet we seem to be happy with taking the picture outside the gate, and there is so much more of God to experience if we will just ascend the hill. That's why Jesus finished His work as high priest. That's why His blood made us clean once and for all so that we could actually ascend the hill and walk into the presence of God Himself in prayer. That's what it's about. So ascend the hill. Pray. Don't be content with the gate. Number two. Pray brutally honest prayers. I meet so many Christians that are afraid to pray what they really feel. They're like, but the Bible says that I don't have because I don't ask. And when I do ask, I ask with the wrong motives. Well, yeah, guess what? There's going to be things you ask with the wrong motives. You're going to... So here's what they do. They spend their life trying to filter what they should pray to God. Again, you're just sitting at the gate. You spend all that money to go sit at the gate and try to figure out what attraction you're going to ride. You're going to spend your three days in Disney at the gate arguing over, well, I don't know, should we go here or should we check this one out? That's ridiculous. You know what you do? God knows you. So pray your heart. Pray brutally honest prayers to God and He'll sort them out because His answer, He always answers. It's going to be no, yes, or, or later. So pray. Don't be worried about it. We've got dear friends right now. As we speak, he's a preacher and I love him with all my heart. I can call him. And and, I mean, how God has put us together. We never knew each other. He went to be the pastor at what I consider like the home church where I got saved and and started in ministry. And he's now serving them. And I love that church. And I still love those people. And he's a pastor there. They have a huge heart for adoption. They've got some special needs kids. They just adopted a little girl named Maggie. And she's beautiful. They adopted her from China. She has a heart condition and she just got a virus last week. And that virus somehow mixed with her heart condition. She caused her to have two strokes. She's had swelling on her brain. She lost motory function in her left side. They're worried about vision in her right eye. And God's people have just been praying for them. And, and I love I love his wife's been posting updates. And so she's like, here, here, pray these functional things. And then she says, and you know what? As a mama, here's my one last request. Her birthday's next week. And I'd love to have my functional baby for her birthday. I'd love for her to be able to open her eyes. I'd love to hear her laugh. I want that for her birthday. And I know that that's selfish. But you know what? God honors that. 
And it's okay to pray your heart because God's going to sort through it because he's big enough to do that. And I'm just telling you, Christians, there's a reason why God says ascend the hill. There's a reason why Jesus came to die. There's a reason why he's acting as your mediator. Just go to him and run to him and be honest and share your heart with him because he's big enough for that. Don't stand outside the gate trying to figure out what you can pray, what's okay, what's not okay. Just go to him and pray. That's the point. That's the point. Pray brutally honest prayers. Because the worst thing that could happen is God could say, you don't get that, but you get me. That's a pretty good no. That's a pretty good no. Number three. Cry out to your dad. Jesus has provided us with direct access to our father. To our father. Now, I'm not going to take a poll because I don't want to embarrass you. Some of you here are like me and you kind of have jacked up family situations. Maybe your dad, you didn't have that relationship. Maybe you never had that moment that you could just crawl up in your daddy's lap and say, I need help. All right. But you do now. And so I'm going to ask you, this will this will completely alter your prayer life. Don't just pray to God like he's this big thing in the sky that, that may or may not care about you. He loves you. Don't don't pray to God like it's some business model. Don't don't act like he's a Coke machine where you just put your money in and then I'm going to push a button. Don't pray to God like you're Commissioner Gordon and he's Batman and just well, well, I, emergency red light. Hey, Batman, come save us. Like, don't just pray to God that way. Instead, pray to God like he's your dad and you can crawl up into your dad. Dad's lap, and you can talk to him about anything. Because you know what? My kids can crawl up in my lap and they can tell me that they did something horrible and I'm going to love them through it. That's what's going to happen, right? And so, so we, we pray to God like that. We just crawl up in his lap. And sometimes that means, listen, sometimes that means that as we pray, and the Bible talks about this, that all we do is crawl up in his lap and we just let go. Sometimes prayer is just weeping before God and it's your spirit praying for you and you don't know what it looks like and you don't even know what you said, but when you were done, you knew that you'd prayed. That's prayer. Just don't worry about the model and don't worry about the formula. And I don't know if I did the A-C-T-S. I don't know if I did the P-R-A-Y-E-R. I don't know if I... Crawl up in your dad's lap. Share your heart with him. Pray brutally honest prayers. Ascend the hill. Don't stand outside the gate. Shall pray with me?